Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. Hello, and welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, and I'm super excited to have Cherie Trask with me. She is an author, a ghostwriter, and a book writing coach, which is amazing. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, Cherie, and give us a little brag intro. Tell us all the juicy stuff about you. I mean, I don't know where to start. Anything <laughs> um, I am very fortunate to do what I do for a living, and it, I never in my wildest dreams thought that this would be the path that I would be on, and it was one of those things that kind of found me, as so many things typically do, right? So I guess my brag would be that I am grateful beyond measure to be able to support some of the most inspirational stories in being birthed into the world through writing books, and I get to do that every day, and it makes me so happy, so that would be my brag, yeah. Yeah, and you're like have a book coming out, and you're like a Louise Hay author. So you skipped some of the really juicy brags there. <laughs> I would definitely have led with that, but tell us a little bit more about like how did that come to be? Yeah, so um, kind of funny. I did not go to school for this originally at all. It was something completely different, and I knew after my own personal experience with trauma when I was 19, I was sexually assaulted. And I knew at that time I was really supposed to do something with my story. And I had no idea what that looked like. So like so many entrepreneurs, I tried my hand at a million different things and everything was like, oh, that was kind of fun, but like me, not really into, into it. Right. So I guess 11 years or so ago, I had met somebody at the gym and I was writing for health and fitness magazine, which is my background. And, and he saw this obnoxious picture of me at the gym because I was supporting them with their health coaching and stuff like that. And he's like, Hey, I need to talk to you. I have a startup. I have this book I want to write. Would you mind ghostwriting a book for me on autoimmune disease? And I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, yeah, totally. (laughs) No idea how to write a book. I'd never written a book before. And I wrote it and he loved it. And that kind of just catapulted my career into being his voice for the next six years. Uh, We published a book with Hay House together, me as a ghostwriter. So that means I'm on the the back end. Nobody knows who I am. And um, yeah, it was just a really cool experience to be able to support somebody who had such a vision to create a massive impact in the world and be able to bring kind of that vision to life. And that has really just, I guess, really helped me with the trajectory of my own life and how I'm supporting other people telling their stories now too. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting too, because autoimmune, you know, that's really a tricky one. And I've had so many clients with that over the years. I have my own autoimmune thyroid thing, but 
it's like modern medical like doesn't do a very good job with it and so you know we count on like the louise hay authors to like tell us the real deal about how to actually like heal those things because a lot of times you know they don't even have like answers for us as far as you know diagnoses or like yeah. you know you're making it up like a lot of clients have told me that and i'm like oh it's like how invalidating for a medical yeah. provider to think it's all in your head when like clearly with autoimmune you know people really have a wide range of really you know sometimes very harsh symptoms so. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I was actually misdiagnosed for nine years. I spent most of my twenties in and out of the hospital for weeks at a time and diagnosed with a million oh. different things. And I was just like, something has to change. Like you guys aren't understanding what's happening. And so that's where I became my own guinea pig. I went back to school, studied holistic health and nutrition. And I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this because yeah. there's something going on regardless of what you guys are telling me. And it wasn't until, you know, almost a decade later that I found out I, I have lupus and, and I decided to treat it holistically. I didn't want to take medication because anytime I took medication, I was allergic to it and it put me back mm-hmm. in the hospital. And I was like, I can't, I can't be on this cycle. So I think, and you probably see this too with so many of your clients being a trauma therapist that oftentimes I call it our stories keep us sick. And it's Mm -hmm. when we're holding on to these things that we're not allowing ourselves to heal completely that they manifest in different ways. And for many people that I work with, I'm sure you do too, it manifests in autoimmune disease or the like. So it's it's a tricky thing, but I I do believe just based on my own experience and people that I've talked to that once we really allow ourselves to get to the root cause of what is creating this imbalance in the first place, Mm -hmm. and we come back to equanimity, our body just flourishes. Yeah, it's a healing crisis. And I think, you know, from a shocker perspective, when we're looking at immune system, um, you know, root chakra is, you know, blood, bones, immune system, right? And so a lot of that has to do with safety. And so, you know, for most trauma survivors, like safety is sometimes something foreign, like you haven't ever experienced it, like in the cases of, you know, like childhood abuse or something like that. And so to think about, um, you know, it's also our placement, our identity, our ancestry, all of that sort of stuff. And so Mm -hmm. a survival, you know, and so there's a lot in there with immune system stuff. And I definitely just in my practice have seen, you know, that those two things go hand in hand for sure. Definitely. Definitely. So like your destiny as a a book coach and a ghostwriter just like kind of found you. I love that so much because I just feel like some of the best things in my life have really been a surprise, you know, like they just, they found me. So tell me a little bit about, you got your own book coming out soon and it's a survivor story. So So it's called Surviving Silence. And this has been a book that I started years ago, like so many authors do. Um, But in the process of it, I was helping so many other people tell their stories. And the story that I created in my head was I don't have the capacity to tell my story and help them tell theirs. When really what I realized now is that I was afraid of letting go of the identity and not knowing who I would be without it. So to tell this story for me was to close a chapter on this portion of my life that was really saying, you know, when, when it happened, when I was 19, I made a declaration that I would do whatever it took and whatever I needed to do to be able to help other people be courageous and share their stories. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I gave that too much of a literal meaning mm-hmm. and what I found in the process of finally finishing my book was that it's okay to close that chapter now. It's been 23 years 
And I don't need to continue holding it anymore. I can let go of it. So this book is really the the completion of my own journey as a survivor. And while that doesn't go away, I will always be that Mm -hmm. um, in some capacity. It's really giving myself permission to move forward without the title. So Mm -hmm. this book comes out October 15th, which happens to be the 23rd anniversary of my assault. It also happens to be the 22nd anniversary of my father passing. He passed a year to the day after, after I was assaulted and I never knew him. So it was all of these things that kind of came together on October 15th. And, and every year I've tried to find a different way to celebrate that. And so this year feels, um, it feels really good to be able to say, I'm closing the chapter. I'm ready to move forward in a new way and be able to support other people in their journeys too. I've, I've gotten some really great feedback so far from my early readers, um, as far as this being a great self-help memoir book that has really allowed them to reflect on their own healing journey and the things that maybe they thought that they had already healed and questions that they had thought that they had asked themselves. And coming back to this book is kind of a place to say like, hey, judge-free zone here, but here's some shit that I think in my experience I definitely didn't look that deep enough. And if I would have done that sooner, I probably would have been in a different place much, much sooner. So Mm -hmm. um, my hope is that it just inspires people to kind of take a look at their own journeys and where they're at and allow themselves the permission to move forward and, and let it go as much as possible because we don't have to hold our stories forever and they don't have to become us, but it's easier said than done sometimes, especially if you don't have the guidance and support to move forward. Yeah. Well, I really like the model of like victim, survivor, thriver. And I think getting your book published is like the ultimate thriving act. And I really do appreciate like how you're talking about letting go of that identity and also normalizing that for some people, it does take decades to really like, you know, we're releasing all along the way sometimes, but, you know, to finally just say like, okay, like this is ended, you know, and uh, I use the I am affirmation and they popped me an affirmation yesterday that said, your story will be someone else's survival guide. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yes, I love that one so much. And you think of like, you know, the Glennon Doyles or Brene Brown or, you know, whoever you're into who are vulnerable in sharing their stories and have helped so many people, you know, come through their their mm-hmm. hardships. So I think your book will be just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, and I think kind of such an important time to, I mean, I think the Me Too movement, you know, that definitely brought like a lot of attention to it. But, you know, there's still so much further we really need to go to release that. I was also like a trauma survivor uh, of sexual assault and it was in high school and I then became a therapist and, you know, they sort of say like research is me search. Right. And so when I wrote my dissertation, I did it on rape prevention and Mm. it was really crazy to see how much of it is like cultural and it's such a huge part of the patriarchy and the legal system is kind of fucked (laughs) in the way they deal with it. And at the time I was also a victim advocate. So I was literally writing the dissertation and then going to the hospital at the middle of the night and like holding the hands of survivors. And yet even, okay, so this is like a decade of working with rape survivors Mm -hmm. and it still took me really like a solid decade to go, Oh, that's what happened to me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you can see it in other people, but a lot of times people just think, um, 
like, like in, I worked a lot in college counseling centers with college students in my early training. And so we wouldn't ask people if they had been raped because people say no. But if you say, have you had an unwanted sexual experience? Everybody says yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, ooh. But it's like rape is kind of like cancer. It's such a um, loaded word that people don't claim it. You know, mm-hmm. they don't, um, you know, the, the word itself is scary. And so not many people name what happened to them as rape. And, you know, it's like helping clients figure this out. And, you know, I think a lot of times we get, um, you know, especially if it's in the younger years, high school, college, it's like we get like slut shame, you know, and think like, oh, it was just a hookup or it was just this or that, you know, and so many guys, you know, think that as well. And it was really astounding when I was doing my dissertation, we were surveying like rape myths and people were like just endorsing them like no big deal. Like, oh, yeah, if a girl wears that, she deserves it, which obviously is completely untrue. But that's mm-hmm. a rape myth, right? And we have that like so laden into our culture. Mm-hmm. And then the legal system just um, really is flawed. And you can kind of see that, you know, everybody's talking about the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing, which I don't know how you feel about that. But, uh, you know, I feel like it's diluting maybe what what's really happening and kind of I haven't actually like watched it but you know you kind of can't help but hear of it but I feel like it's like diluting like what are like some really important issues about domestic violence or I don't know whatever else they had going on there so I'm kind of curious like what was it like to you know really share your story publicly Mm -hmm. yeah so I so when it happened, I was 19 and I didn't tell anybody for three and a half years. I didn't say anything. And it wasn't for me, it wasn't like I was in denial. I knew what happened. It wasn't that I felt guilty or ashamed or anything like that. It was more so a protection mechanism for me to say like, I just want my life back. I don't want to be different. I don't want people to see me as different. Oh, yeah. she's the person who got raped. I don't, I don't want any of that. I just yeah. want to go on with life. Mm-hmm. So when I first told somebody, it was actually somebody that I, I was on second or third date. Um, and we were just sitting there having wine and all of a sudden it just fell out of my mouth. Wow. Like there was no context around it. It just fell out. And I was like, oh shit, I can't take that back. And there was silence. And of course, you know, he was 24 and I'm sure in his mind, he's like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Right. But he, he did exactly what I needed and didn't know I needed. He held space. He hugged me and he just said, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And that's all I needed. And from there, I was like floodgates opened. I started speaking publicly in women's groups. I started speaking publicly everywhere that I could about it. I started writing about it. I had plenty of backlash, even from the people that I'm closest to and I know love me so much, like my mom. Um, She was confused by it. Like, why are you sharing something so publicly? Yeah. Because I hadn't even told her yet at this point. Mm-hmm. And I tell my mom everything. And she was mm-hmm. like, I don't understand. Like, why were you holding this in? And what I, what it came down to is I was like, this isn't about you. This is about me helping other people. If it Great. doesn't support and help you, then it isn't for you. And I'm really not concerned about that. So mm-hmm. you don't have to like it, 
but I'm doing this for a bigger reason. And that felt good for me. Um, the tricky part for me was in the process of it. I actually became pregnant from the assault and it was ectopic. And so I was going through this whole thing as well of, of uh, yeah, like all of these things, right? Like there was so much emotional going layer. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and trying to navigate, like, how do I still go to school and get good grades while I'm dealing with this secret that I have? And it was around that time as well that I became very sick. So there's coincidence. Absolutely. Like, again, goes back to what I say, our secrets keep us sick. And I was holding on to too much. My body was like, get it out. Yeah. So for me, it was really about understanding why I was speaking up in the first place. Right. And I think that that's a big thing. And I, I tell this to clients all the time, because even though, yes, I am a book writing coach and a ton of my clients that come to me are also trauma survivors. Mm-hmm. And so with that, some of them are telling their stories for the first time. And they're like, I don't want to tell all of the details. And for me, it's, you brought this up earlier and I totally agree. It's a safety thing. So what do you feel safe sharing? Yeah. Number one. And what is your intention for sharing it? Because not everything has to be public, right. even if you're writing a book, right? Like you don't have to tell everybody everything to help even one person. Mm-hmm. And for you, it may not be that I actually want to create an impact with what has happened in my life. Cool. You don't have to do that either. So I yeah. think people get a little bit, the, it becomes a little bit convoluted when people start thinking like, oh, I have to do something with this or, oh, I'm supposed to forgive or, oh, I'm supposed to walk this path. It's like, no, you get to do whatever feels best for you in a way that feels safe for you with people that feel safe for you and move forward in a way that feels safe for you. <laughs> this isn't about everybody else. So um, I think an interesting thing that I didn't realize at the time that was so different is that through my experience, I actually, the night that it happened, I was sitting in my car afterwards, sobbing. It was raining, which never happens here in San Diego. And I just prayed and I'm a spiritual person. I'm not religious, but I was praying my ass off. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, help me forgive this person so that I can be free. Help me forgive this person over and over and over and over. And I did not leave that parking spot until I had forgiven him. And for many people that comes last or never. So when I was talking to survivors over all of these years, I I started noticing, oh, uh, my process was kind of backwards than most people's. And so I had to take a step back and be like, okay, if I reverse engineer this, how would I want to be supported? And how can I best hold space for their stories to unfold in a way that again is safe and feels authentic to what they're here to do, here to share, etc. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. And, you know, a lot of times uh, there is research that says that like forgiveness is, you know, really associated with emotional health, but I think it gets like a little bit convoluted and sort of has that religious connotation. And so I try to use the term like letting go because I feel like there's just less baggage to that word and so kind of getting to the point when we go from like survivor to thriver is where you can talk about it without crying not to say that if we sometimes cry it's no big deal but you know what I mean like in the beginning stages when you're healing like there's probably lots of tears but then like you can get to the point where you're an advocate and you can kind of share your story and you can do it you know like on a podcast and just you know have like a friendly conversation around it I'm kind of curious though um 
I've shared a lot, you know, you know how it is, like it's a mirror, right? And so like you get the guests that mirror all your stuff. And so whenever someone comes on like you, I also share like pieces of my story. So uh, like if someone were to binge watch, which I highly recommend all my episodes of the podcast, it really is almost like a memoir. And, um, you know, I was like looking through, I have public profiles and I was, you know, going through and seeing people that, you know, how like people like, like a bunch of your stuff in a row. And I was like, oh, maybe that's a potential client. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh no, that is not someone I want looking at my stuff and telling my vulnerable story. See a block, you know, which thank God for the block feature here. But I'm kind of curious, like if you're a public figure and you're sharing like, like my mom kind of says the same thing, like, wow, that was really personal, you know, like you're sharing it with the whole world. Um, and you know, she's supportive, but you know what I mean? It's just, that's not something that everybody does. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, it sounds like you've had some backlash from the people in your life, or maybe even just people online, I'm guessing, but like, what's it been like to share so much of yourself in that public way? Yeah. You know, I, I've had more people support than anything else. Thank God and just for that. Like my mom had backlash because something I didn't know at the time, she was also raped at 19. So it brought up shit for her. Right. So, right. So like we got to talk through that and it was actually a really beautiful healing mm-hmm. conversation for both of us. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to, again, this goes back to what I said earlier with the intention, like, why are you sharing it in the first place? Because when you're super clear on the intention for doing anything, I don't care what it is, when you do get backlash and people do have something to say and insert their opinions where they're unwanted, it doesn't affect you as much. It doesn't mean that sometimes it's not like, ah, oh, fuck, that hurt, right? Like that happens. But more often than not, it's it's more so a like, that's interesting. They still have some room to grow as we all do, right? And I can look at that through the lens of empathy and compassion versus sympathy and and like it's it's on me because it's not personal. But I think it's it's really easy for us to personalize things, especially when it's a personal story that's being attacked. So it's like I tell clients all the time, when you get ready to share your story in whatever way you choose to do so, be prepared for one of the biggest personal development pieces of work you will ever do in your life and give yourself a big freaking high five for that because it is vulnerable and courageous. It can be very scary and it can feel all the things through the process of it. You can go high highs and low lows in the process. And what I always encourage everybody to do is to come back to the intention and to come back to the place of, your truth and your authentic self and who am I, who do I want to show up as, am I being that person? And if the answer is no, instead of shaming or judging yourself for that, saying, how can I further align to the highest version of myself in everything that I do? Mm-hmm. And one of the things too, that I think is really important to, to reflect upon is our stories shape us in many ways, right? Again, they don't have to define us, yeah. but if we can learn to look at the things that have happened in our lives, I, I don't like to say, you know, 
oh, this happened to me. It's more, this happened for me. I was just raised that way. I had a grandmother who every time I would complain, she would say, find the four, Sheree. And as a kid, you're like, fuck off. But now as an adult, I'm like, oh, I get it, right? Like there are things happen for us if we choose to see them that way. And I don't mean that in a very like woo-woo esoteric sense. I believe it. So if we can start to look at our stories from a place of, okay, that sucked. And I'm going to own that that was totally shitty. But you know what I got from that? I saw how resilient I was. I saw how courageous I am. I saw what I was meant to do. I found my purpose. Whatever that looks like, there's always those little nuggets that we can take from our stories. And to me, that is the most empowering thing to come out with from anything that we've been through in our lives. Because the truth is, we've survived through some pretty shitty times many of us, yet we're still here. So uh, kudos to us, high five. Yeah, there's a lot there and we don't have to get stuck in this place of shame and guilt and judgment and poor me or I need to hide or I can't be fully expressed. If anything, I think it's more of a permission slip to say, go show the world what you're made of and do that. Yeah. And that's really like taking your worst day of the trauma and taking it into your best day of how like this was initiation into your life purpose to be an advocate and, you know, a truth teller for women. And I really love the title because, you know, silence and shame go together. Right. And so like when we're have a secret and when we're quiet about it, or, you know, when we like look down or try to hide, um, that is part of what feeds the shame, right? And I feel like that is almost sometimes the most intense part of the trauma is that it isolates us from support. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe we didn't tell our mom or our best friend because, you know, we didn't want judgment or whatever, but we didn't get that support. Maybe they wouldn't have judged us, you know, but just so common for people if they have an identity that they feel ashamed of, we keep it a secret, right? And sometimes we have to keep things a secret, even if we're not ashamed about it, like maybe it's unprofessional or whatever, uh, it, it fuels that shame. And I think shame is just like that, that magic killer. Like it, it really limits who we are. And so to like kind of shout it from the rooftops and to, to write a book about it and to really, um, you know, kind of publicize the issue is like so important to so many women who are going through it and, and, and don't have the words necessarily like to tell their own stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think it's important that we normalize the taboo topics, whether it's, whether it's rape or something else, right? Like we are creating a shameful society by being shamed by our experiences. And I don't think that's fair for us. It's not fair for the world. And the more that we can be fully ourselves, again, this doesn't mean we have to say everything to everyone, but the more that we can own our stories and be ourselves, other people start to rise up and have the courage to also be seen. And could you imagine a world that we were all walking around just as these walking beams of light to say like, I've been through some shit and I'm still here. (laughs) Like, I feel like it'd be like a celebration all the time. And that feels exciting to me. And I want more of that. Well, that's the great part about group therapy too, is like, especially if you've had an extreme story, you sometimes feel like you're the only one who's ever gone through that. And, you know, I've done groups for 15 years. And even if it was an extremely extreme incident, there's always someone in there who's been through the same thing, can relate, know someone. It's just like the magic of connection. And I think with, again, like that trauma isolates us, 
versus, you know, telling our stories uh, connect, you know, it was so powerful. Also, just want to mention real quick, if anyone's listening to this and you have your own trauma story, you know, I highly recommend um, I, I do EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Super amazing for any kind of trauma abuse. Highly, highly, highly recommend. And I also highly recommend any kind of like energy work. I find is like extremely helpful energy work, body work. Um, you know, the the issues are in our tissues, right? They say. So um I found, you know, and I remember actually just teaching like, I don't know, probably might have been abnormal psych or psych 101 when I was either a grad student or early professor. And it was like, um, I think it was doing a Q&A and someone was like, can we actually heal trauma? And I was like, wow, I feel like that's the very important question that we need to be asking. And my answer would be absolutely yes. But at the time, like going through a traditional, you know, PhD psychology program, that's not something they were really particularly talking about. And that's where I feel like alternative healing and health coaching and energy work and spirituality really does like help so many people find the answers that, you know, the traditional patriarchal systems like cannot give. And so I just just wanted to give some of those resources out. Um, And also just, you know, take care of yourself if any of this is triggering, you know, like take a breath, you know, take a break, do what you need to do kind of thing for the people out there listening and watching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's something interesting that you said about that question. I find fascinating is can we heal trauma? Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because I think it also goes back to like, how do you define healing? Right. Mm -hmm. Because some people will look at healing as, as if it doesn't exist anymore. Fact remains, like, if you've been traumatized, it doesn't have to be rape. There's a million different types of trauma. Oh, yeah. If you have been traumatized, that trauma will always be there because it's existed. It's happened. You can't remove that piece. But can you heal the symptoms of trauma? Sure. Yeah. Right? So I, it, there are layers to it that are interesting and it, it, it gets me thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things I'm kind of obsessed with is astrology and we're like on the heels of this like very intense kind of Scorpio full moon eclipse. And I think it's a big uh, push to the collective to release trauma, baggage, limiting beliefs, um, really anything that's like kind of not serving you in your life. And I always sort of explain the eclipses as, you know, the push from the universe. Like if you're not doing the work, it'll do it for you kind of thing. So I think it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation, like it's so close to the day. What are you releasing? For me, I think it's, are you familiar with human design? Yes. I was going to ask you your human design. Are you a role model by chance? That was my guess. I am a splenic projector. Okay. So um, I don't know the role model, all of those things. I just you know, know the numbers. Three, six. Okay, three, six. You are a role yeah. model. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely one of those people oh, that the way shower, right? Yeah. Like we're supposed to pave a new way. Yeah. And I think I, they say you kind of come into that as a projector, like into your 40s and 50s mm-hmm. and I'm in my 40s. And so for me, it's like, okay. I, I'm actually feeling like that's true. And so for me, it's releasing the need to follow this way of doing things, which I've never done. I've mm-hmm. never followed a way, but I've thought that I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. So by following my own way, there's been this thing of I'm doing it wrong. I should just do that because it works for them. While there's this intuitive knowing like, no, you're not. 
keep doing it your way. It will all come together. So I'm releasing the thought process around the shooting. <laughs> I should be doing this, right? Like, cause I, I'm not supposed to. <laughs> and that's hard for me. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the classic term is smarter, which I don't like that one too much, but the, the more positive one is like experimenter. But I do notice people with a three line do tend to have like trauma and sort of like have to sort of like learn the hard way. The sort of classic example they give is like, you can't just tell them that the fire is hot. Like they have to touch it to touch see it. exactly like how hot it is, you know? And so, um, however, I find that like the three people I know in my life are amazing teachers because they have done it all and they know what works and what doesn't work. And, like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I can tell you for sure that fire is fucking yeah. hot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, I struggle with the role model thing a little bit because um, I'm a hermit role model. So, there's part of me that's very extroverted, very public, very open book. You know, when I'm in role model mode, I'm like, yes, let's change the world. We'll do it. Here we go. Let me tell you my story. Right. But then I go into hermit mode and I'm like, vulnerability, hangover, contraction, you know? So that's, that's been kind of a thing to balance is just kind of how to really like be so public and yet also have that like hermit mystic kind of private sacred time as well and like kind of trying to find the balance between those two things so my dream is definitely to um you know just be like a mystic and a writer and a coach and kind of you know uh be public when I want to but you know sort of like have that you know, sort of like living off the grid a bit, doing your writing and kind of like not having to leave the house quite a lot too. (laughs) Totally. Are you an empath by chance? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Have you read the empath survival guide? Um, Is that like Judith? Yeah. Um, I've followed some of her work. I haven't read that one though. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Especially if you're somebody, because I call myself an introverted extrovert. Yeah. Like, yes, I can be around people and I actually love people, but if the energy is off, I just, I, everything in me shuts down and I'm like, I need to be space. I need to be alone. I need to recharge. So that book was fantastic. I read it about six years ago and it was one of those books that you read and you go, these are so, this is so simple, Mm -hmm. but I've overcomplicated it because I haven't understood fully how to let go of other people's energy and it it, it yeah. gets stuck in my own energy body, right? So that book's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who are healers or service providers, um, you know, a lot of times we end up being like parentified childs. And so like maybe, you know, if you don't have trauma in that department, maybe you're just like extremely like empathic and a healer. But I think a lot of times we end up like kind of absorbing other people's stuff. And so that has been like a lifelong sort of like teacher, let's say slash struggle. Yeah. (laughs) how to do that, especially doing, um, you know, the trauma work. And that's actually like what pushed me into coaching was to really, you know, kind of, you know, work with the leaders who are, you know, working with other people and like kind of get more into the wellness department um, versus doing the really like heavy lifting. But like I said before, um, you know, I know therapy is not like a cure-all and a lot of people have had negative experiences and even bad therapists. And there's plenty of that in every field. 
But I just do think that, you know, the combo of like alternative healing and something like EMDR really can, you know, really unburden people. And I've had like the privilege to, well, one, I've done my own work on that. And I've had the privilege of just seeing, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of women um, heal these things that were, you know, just like unbearable in the moment. They've, you know, and, you know, this is like the most amazing, I think any human can do this, but particularly women. I think just like can take something so painful and give birth to something so beautiful, like you've done with your book. Yeah. One of the questions that I love asking myself, if I'm feeling any sort of way that, that feels off is I'll close my eyes, put my hand on my heart and like, is this mine? Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to get caught up in all the go, go, go of this society. And it's like, at some point we need to stop and step back. And while it's great that we're connected in all of these ways, especially with social media and everything being online and everything, it's, it's a blessing. And at times it can be a fucking curse to me. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to be here. I just want out of it, you know, but also it's, it's fantastic. So like, asking yourself that question, is this mine? And if it's not mine, how do I release this? I have this little note right here on my computer that I ask myself every morning. It's what do I need today? How do I want to feel? Let it be easy. Thank you more, please. Mm. <laughs> so I, I was like, that. just asking yourself the questions to come back to self, come back to your center and what feels authentic to you so that you can move forward with more grace, more energy, more ease and joy. And we get lost in it, you know? Yeah. I think it's also like an amazing time to be, you know, a speaker, a coach, a writer, a leader, because there's so many platforms. Um, I I had this uh, psychic reading, you know, 15 years ago, and they were like, you're going to write this like really important bestselling book. And um, of course, it's, you know, when they give you that kind of thing, sometimes it's like been marinating. And I'm so close to getting it out. I've like got it, you know? Um, outline. And I, I think that's actually going to be my eclipse release is to like take the summer and, and do some like serious writing on it. Um, and uh, I just think it's exciting because when I was looking at it 15 years ago, you had to get an agent, you had to get a, you know, do a query letter, like all this, like someone had to approve you to write a book. But that's just like no longer the case. So can you like brag a little bit on like your clients or maybe even yourself around like, you know, because I think even even myself, I kind of go like, I'll defer to like paid work, you know, because I'm like, okay, I'm getting paid. I'm nothing going to show up or not. Right. But like when it comes to like writing your book, like I think particularly for empaths, people pleasers, whatever, it's so easy to be beholden to other people, but to really like stay true to yourself and like show up for yourself. I mean, obviously so powerful, but also like kind of hard to do. So kind of curious, like, can you speak to like once people like burn their books, like what happens next? So it's pretty interesting. So first, through the process of writing a book, you'll hear this all the different ways. I don't care what anyone tells you. You need a book outline, period, end of story, done. Get a book outline, first and foremost, because that is your guidepost. It can change, but you need a guidepost because otherwise you are just throwing spaghetti at the wall and it turns out just, it's chaotic. So there's what I like about the book outline is you can jump around. I've got like commitment issues. So I like to like, you know, I can't, it doesn't always come out linear, you know? Yeah. And one thing to say about that is that a story shouldn't be linear. So the way that your book is outlined shouldn't necessarily be from the age of five to the age of 30 and going sequentially down. 
boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not how it Even works. element of surprise. Yeah. There's, there's, this is one thing too. I'm just going to touch on this super quick. Yeah, it's like please. a lot of people say, oh, I've been writing for years. I, I, I've been published in this thing or I've written this blog post or I have this newsletter. All of those things are fantastic practice. Book writing is not the same as any of that. Mm-hmm. So the sooner that you, you get it in your mind, like, okay, this is a different skill set that I get to master. You really get to be in the practice of book writing versus blog posts, blah, 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 blah. So book outline first. I always laugh because this has happened with all but one of my clients. Her freak out happened in the introduction. Most of my clients freak out in chapter three. So I call it the chapter three freak out because they get to chapter three and they're like, what the fuck am I doing? Who am I to write this book? Nobody's going to buy this. Nobody's even going to read it. I'm I'm done. Uh Right. And that's where, in my experience, most people stop, which of course, as their coach is like, you're not stopping now, girl or, or guy. Like you're. And that's the great thing about paying a coach is like then you got money on it, you know, and you're like you're yeah, you're invested. Are, you're invested. Right? Yeah. yeah. So once you get to the end of the process, it kind of depends on how you want to do it. A couple of things, and I could go on all day about this. And I want to keep conscious of time. So number one, like traditional publishing, self-publishing, hybrid publishing, obviously three different models. Traditional publishing is what you alluded to earlier. It is not what it used to be at all. Is yeah. it great? Sure. Does it? Well, it's it's just, it's different because yeah. people have different avenues. Now they don't have to wait 24 months to have their book published. Now they get to say what they want to say. They get to title the book the way they want to title it. When you work with a traditional publisher, which is amazing, right? Like I love traditional publishing for a lot of reasons, but there are a lot of rules and I hate rules. Yeah, me so too. That, Right. So with that, traditional publishing is for some people. It's not for everybody. Hybrid publishing is kind of the in in between where somebody is guiding you through the process of it. They're doing some things for you. Then there's true self-publishing would be you're literally doing it all alone. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually partnered with a more of a hybrid type publisher. So with my clients, what happens is, okay, after you have your manuscript, it's edited, all the things, what are you supposed to do with it? We talk about this up front so we have a plan, but we typically will go into my partner's model because with that, they get the book cover design, the formatting, the publication on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, the distribution, all of those things. They get to do all of that for them. Well, the author gets to sit back and just do their thing when it comes to the launch strategy, which again, is something that we talk about too. And that's like enough to deal with on its own, right? <laughs> right. Like you've got to have a launch strategy. You've got to have content ready to go. You've got to be teasing this content. So people actually know that you wrote a freaking book and what it's about and get them excited, yeah. right? So the publishing process, when you do it hybrid or self can be instantaneous. Mm-hmm. It can happen overnight. Traditional publishing is 12 to 24 months before your book is yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's just different. And what I've heard is that like, I mean, if your book really takes off self-published, like that's what the publishers, you know, they'll find you and they'll they'll want some, you know, like if, if you do well enough. So I think that can be a kind of a loophole way to get through it. Another thing that's really helped me just like kind of in the beginning outlining process is the Save the Cat book, like and also watching like YouTube videos on it. If you just like for me, it's so much easier to have a structure and a template, even though I don't like rules. I just need like a little something to like ground me into writing. And so that's been super helpful just if you're like a newbie and wanting 
you know, some kind of, you know how we do templates in the coaching industry, like (laughs) email templates, swipe files, whatever. That's kind of like a copywriting swipe file, but it gives you that three act story structure to kind of, you know, get all the good juicy parts in there. So that's been really helpful to me. Um, Well, we are short on time, Sheree. I would really love to have you back because I know there's like a million things we could talk about. And I'd love to get more into like what you do with people, just even out of my own. (laughs) Like, I want to know those are my next steps. So, uh, you know, you kind of segued into, you know, what you offer, but go ahead and tell us like, where do we find you? How do we work with you? All the good things. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook, just Sheree Trask, my name. Um, my website is sheretrask.com. I do ghostwriting. I do private coaching and I'm getting ready to launch my group program. So that's coming. So exciting. Well, I just really admire you. Thank you for like telling your story. You know, I wish I had something like that when I was going through it. And I do think that there is, you know, when something like that happens to you, I think, you know, it's a huge pay it forward kind of moment when you like help society. And I think that's that role model advocacy, truth teller piece of it. And it's definitely not the easiest thing to do, but that's how we change society. And that's why, you know, this podcast is called Divine Feminine Revolution. It's about the matriarchy coming to power. And I think you're a great example of that. And I'm sure your book is going to touch so many people. So just super, super congratulations to that. And I'm going to future brag that this is definitely motivation to get my ass in the chair and be writing my own book. So thank you so much. I'm so glad to connect with you. And Thanks to all the people out there listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.